embarking upon a new series. Um, we pray that we believe that. Matter of fact, we know that God has something to say to each of us through this series. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, will you turn to Genesis, the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible we are going to work out of the very first chapter of this book. Uh, we're going to deal with the foundations uh marriage, a family, of life itself, of life itself, to reclaim, to recover back the purpose of why God made us. What is family about? What is marriage about? There are some principles that I uh, want to lay down for us. Somebody is saying, well, I'm a grandmother. I'm not going to get married, but yeah, but maybe you need to teach these principles to your granddaughter, to your grandson. Somebody saying, well, I'm young. Well, then you need to know what to look for when you think about getting married. Amen. There are biblical principles that should govern how we handle ourselves in relationships. If you're able, would you stand with me? If not, we understand. If you're able, stand with me. Genesis chapter 1, I'm beginning to read in verse 26. Chapter 1, verse 26. I'd like to read to the end of the chapter. Don't, don't, don't hold me to go verse by verse. I'm just going to develop some concepts. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, and it reads as such in our hearing. And the Lord said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, he, him, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for me and to every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the earth, everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for me, and it was so. And the Lord saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Amen. Recapturing, recapturing God's purpose and design for marriage, for family, 
for life, recapturing, reclaiming, recapturing God's purpose and design for marriage, for family, for our lives. Father, even now, Father, as we come, we ask that you would just move Tracy out of the way and allow there to be an anointing that fall fresh. Father, this morning's anointing will not do. I need a fresh pouring, a fresh mantle, a fresh touch, a fresh empowerment. Father, through my infirmities, through my inadequacies, allow your power to be manifest. Lord, do not allow me to hinder or impede what you want to say to us, your children. Even now. Father, even now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Did you know that when God made man, when he made you and I, he set us apart from any other creature on the face of the earth? Did you know that the other animals he called up out of the ground, he called the fish in the air, he, he, called, he called them as they are for us. He formed us and he breathed into our nostrils. That set you and I apart. He, he's the one who established families. He's the one who established marriage. I believe that one of the things that is happening today as I sat down on the computer and I looked up the statistics for marriage and I discovered that marriage divorce rate is around 40 to 50 percent. I went and looked for a difference for the Christian marriage and I discovered that the Christian marriage is not that much better than the secular marriage. My question then was, was, Lord, what is going on? What is happening? And as I looked at Genesis, what I discovered is that marriage is the foundation that God is building everything on. And when the marriage is messed up, guess what? The family is messed up. When the family is messed up, your communities is messed up. When the community is messed up, the church is messed up. When the church is messed up, the, the city is messed up. When the city is messed up, the state is messed up. When the states are messed up, the nations is messed up. When the nations is messed up, the world is messed up. Did you know that we're living in a messed up world? And if we trace it back to where it started from, it starts in the marriage. It starts in the family. I believe, and I, I don't just believe, I know this. I believe that marriages is under attack. I believe that families are under attack. And Satan is doing everything he can to destroy what God has established. Have you listened to the news lately? Have you seen what's going on with our children? 
Have you listened to what's happening all around us? Some of you are scared to walk the neighborhood because you're afraid that the neighborhood boys are going to hurt you. Did you know that they come from families? So if they come from families, what's wrong with our children? It must be starting. Hold on, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me help you out a little bit. Because somebody here said, wait a minute, I raised my children right. But the kids they grew up with, families didn't raise them right. And guess what? At a certain point, our kids spend more time with their friends than they do with us. So even if you did everything right, there's no guarantee that they're not going to trade what you taught them for what somebody else is doing. I believe God will call them back. Matter of fact, I know what I'm talking about because I know my family, my mom and dad raised me up. But guess what? I made a choice to get out there and do everything under the sun. Guess what? Some of you made a choice. And you did everything you was big and bad enough to do. But God had a lasso around your neck and called you back. I believe that we are living in an age that at least we had the seed. But we're living in an age of young people where they don't even have the seed. And when you don't have the seed of the knowledge of God and the fear of God in you, it's hard to get your attention. Most of us was raised up in church, so we knew the truth, even though we left the truth, and God used that truth to call us back. But what's going to happen in the next 10, 15, 20 years? What's going to happen when the generation that is below us don't go to church and their kids is doing anything they think they big enough to do. What's going to happen when the fear of God is gone? Let me explain what's happening today. Did a funeral here not too long ago, and this place was packed with young people. Packed with young people. Matter of fact, with so many people, there was no place for me to sit. They was around the walls. Heard one person in the back made a sign. And people just got up. Nowadays, the young people, they are shooting the person, their victim, in the face. Just heard that the policeman said that in one of the victims, the bullet, the shell casing, was embedded in the cement. And the only way that could happen is that they stood over him and he went, pow. Did you know that we are made in the image of God and Satan hates our image? And what is happening is they are, it's a sign of disrespect when they shoot you in the face. What they don't understand is that's from Satan because Satan wants to erase the image that you have of God. And we are, without even knowing it, we are allowing Satan to manipulate our thinking, to manipulate our families, to manipulate our lives, where our lives are no longer mean anything. My brothers and sisters, I believe we need to get back to the Bible. 
I believe that we need to go back to see what God has to say about our lives, about family. See, you can listen to the psychologist if you want to. You can listen to Oprah if you want to. You can listen to the top shows if you want to. But I think that the only one that really got the answer is God. And it's in the word of God. And I think that when we begin to go back and reclaim, when we go back and begin to, 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 to re, to take hold of what God says we are, who God says we are, that a revival is going to break out inside of us and that we're going to make a difference in our homes, on our jobs, in our schools, throughout the neighborhood. But we got to know what we're talking about. We got to know what God says, not what man says. What does God say about us? Listen to God. Listen to the word of God as he says in Genesis chapter 1. Let us notice that God speaks in the plural, and he is not talking about the angels, but he's talking about the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Four times in Scripture, God speaks of us. Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 11, Isaiah chapter 6, and here in Genesis chapter 1. That's the only time he speaks in the plural of himself. He said, let us make man in our image. When, when, when they have fallen, he says, now man is like us. He knows good from evil. In chapter 11 of Genesis, when man was building the Tower of Baba, he said, let us go down and confuse their languages. In Isaiah chapter 6, he says to Isaiah, who will go for us? Each one of those times is a pitiful time. It's a time where a change is about ready to take place. It's important. When God speaks in the, in the plural, something about ready to happen. God is up to something. Here he begins to say, let us make man in our end. We are not like any of the other animals. You are special. You are made in the image of God. Don't let nobody tell you that you nothing. God put himself in you. And with all the other animals, he called them from the ground and the animals came up. With the birds, he said, let there be birds. And birds start flying in the sky. With the fish, he said, let there be fish. And there was fish in the sea. But with man, God rolled up his sleeve. With us, God got personal with it. He just didn't speak it into being. But Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says that God formed it. It gives a picture that God took his hands and began to fashion. Now, don't get me wrong now. We made out of dirt just like all the other animals. It's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. But God even took special care with the stuff on the outside and he began to form man and build man and man was laying there but he had a body but he wasn't alive yet now God 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 could have spoke in the man and man would have got up but God did something that he didn't do with nobody else he breathed he do you know how important that is God did not just breathe air in the man. He breathed a part of himself in the man. That something happened. That God, 
what the church needs today? The church needs God to breathe on us. We need something to restart. We need something to rekindle so that we can reclaim our proper right. When God says, I made him in my image, made us in his image, male and female, you got to understand what that's talking about. We are moral beings. We are spiritual beings. We are intelligent beings. We are rational beings. We are beings that are emotional. We know right from wrong. We're not just made up of instinct. There's something on the inside that allows us to have a relationship with God. I'm talking about not just anybody, with God. I'm talking about the God who created all the heaven and all the earth wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him. He wants to know you. He wants you to walk with him. He will speak to you. He will talk to you. He will lead you. He'll come see about you. I mean, God, I mean, God, not just anybody talking about God. I don't think we have caught that. I don't think we have caught that. David in Psalms 8, he began to say, oh, Lord, how excellent is thy name. When I look up and see the stars and the things that you made with your hand, when I see that you have ordained babies to give praises, to confuse, to, to confront your enemies, I think to myself, what is man that thou consign? I don't understand. When I see all that you have done in the world, when I see the stars and the moon and the sun, I say, this God must be an awesome God. What in the world does he see in you and I that makes him love us such? What in the world? How can I? How can I? Do anybody in here got a pet ant? Yeah, that, that little creature that crawls. Anybody here loves an ant? Named it? Play with it? Feed it? Let it crawl on you? Anybody here, when you see an ant in your kitchen, feed it? Take care of it? Close it? Why not? Don't, it's alive. Don't it have value? Don't it have worth? The difference between an ant and us is not as great as the distance between us and God. To God, we, we, we should be nothing. To God, we should be less than an ant. But God, in his infinite wisdom, created you and I so that he could see a reflection of himself in you and I. He did not say to the lion that you are made in my image. He did not say to the elephant, you are made in my image. He said that to you and to I, which means then that you are somebody, which means that regardless of your past, regardless of what you don't have, regardless of what people say about you, you are made in the image of God. And when God looks at you, he wants to see a reflection of himself. Now, wait a minute. 
The only way that God, that I can reflect God is if I know something about him. I can't reflect what I don't know. Which means then that you and I have a capacity to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe, with the creator of the universe. You and I have been made in such a way that we can love him and he can love us. You and I have been made in such a way that you is not information, but you can experience God. Have you thought about that? That our God is that awesome? Know why that is important? The reason that is important, you better know who you are in Christ Jesus. Before you enter into any other relationship, you best know who you are in Christ Jesus. You best not depend on anybody else to make you feel good. Y'all don't hear me. You best not depend on anybody else to make you feel like you somebody. Folks will break your heart. Folks will let you down. You best not depend on, on mankind to pat you on your back or to look at somebody else. Am I, you best know who you are all by yourself. Before you can love anybody, you better know the love of God. You best know your love by God. Some folks are waiting for somebody to build them up. You best get along with God. Let God tell you who you are. Look at Adam. Look at Adam. In Genesis chapter 2, Adam is, 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 is laying there and God breathes into his nostrils and impart into him a part of himself. And when Adam opens up his eyes, his first experience is not the garden. His first experience is God. You can't be who you're supposed to be without a relationship with God. You can't be the man of God. You can't be the woman. You can't be the father. You can't be the husband. You can't be the wife unless you know God for yourself. We were called out of God. Listen, everything that was made in this element needs its element to stay alive. Let me explain. The fish was made in the sea. If you take the fish out of water, what's going to happen to it? If you take an eagle and clip its wings and release it in the wild, what's going to happen to it? If you take man and move him out of God, what's going to happen to him? Hold on, wait a minute. I just heard somebody say, but what about the females? But don't you know that when God reached into Adam, took the rib out of Adam, he took the rib 
And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that he made, that he built the woman. And even though it'll tell you, but her first experience after he built her, that's like an architectural word. That's like someone building a building. God pieced her together. God did it just right. He started with the hair, moved down to the toes. God did not just throw you together. He built you together. God pieced you together. God took special care. Matter of fact, Adam was still asleep, so Adam wouldn't have no say-so in it because Adam would have messed it up. God said, you don't understand. I got this. And he started building a woman, and her first experience was God. You best be looking into the right eyes. You best be allowing the right people to verify who you are. What happened to you does not make you who you are. No matter where you came from, that's not who you are. Your bank account does not determine who you are. The clothes you got on does not determine who you are. The car you drive do not determine who you are. The color of your skin do not determine who you are. The size of your waist or no size of your waist do not determine who you are. What determines who you are is God. It's God. It's God. It's God. It's God. There is, there is, there is. There is a need. There is a need for all of us to feel validated. That have a sense of worth, sense of value, sense of that we are somebody. And too many times, we are dependent on people. And don't get me wrong. That's really what marriage ought to do. That's really what parents ought to do for their children. That's really what we ought to do in the church. That's really what your friends ought to do. But let me tell you something. Don't wait till that egg hatch. Don't wait until they do. Because if you're waiting on folks, folks will break your heart. See, because you can get two people who need validation and both of them waiting on the other to validate the other one and nobody get validated. But God don't need nobody to validate him. God know who he is, and he's satisfied with himself. But God wants us to enjoy. When you look in the eyes of God, God will let you know your mind. God will let you know I made you the way you are. God will let you know I gifted you, I called you, I elected. See, y'all ought to be shouting by now. Somebody ought to be getting happy. Because all this time you've been waiting on your mama to say something good. You've been waiting on your daddy to say something. But guess what? Go, go, go. Look up to the hills from which cometh your help. Your help cometh from... We best learn... How to get all by ourselves. 
get happy. God has made us to have fellowship with him. In Genesis 3, somewhere around verse 8 or 15, he says in that verse that God comes down and he comes down in the cool of the day. And instead of Adam and Eve running to him, they run from him. But the inference of the scripture, if the text is this, that this was a daily thing that they did. God came down and spent time, quality time, with his children. They learned from him. They, they, they was taught by him. He showed them the garden. He showed them the, the things that he had. He put gold in the ground just for them. He put diamonds in a cave just for them. He put butterflies with color just for them. God, 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 God was showing them. Listen. He was showing them the wonderment of earth. He was showing them the good things of earth. But instead of them being in awe with earth, they was in awe of God. I believe that we have moved out of the covering of God. I believe that instead of being in awe of God, we're in awe of the things that God has made. I think that we're in awe of, of the trickets of this earth. And nothing wrong with the trickets. But if you got the trickets without God, you jacked up from the floor up. The best thing is to have the trickets and God. God is, God is, God is, God is, God is up to something. His purpose in, in Isaiah 43 was that our lives will give him praise. That our lives will, in every way, in singleness, in marriage, in parenthood, on our jobs, in school, worship is more than just on Sunday. Worship is a lifestyle. It's, 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 it's that, that God is being exalted. God is being reflected in our lives 24-7. There should be as much God in you on Monday as there is on Sunday. There should be as much praise in you on Tuesday as it is on Sunday. There should be as much worship in you on Wednesday as it is on Sunday. You ought to say as many amens on Thursday as you did on Sunday. You can't tell me that you can wait to Sunday to get your praise on. You best be praising God on Friday. My, my brothers and my sisters, that's, that's, that's the purpose that we are here. God is sufficient in himself, but he wants us to enjoy him. He is so awesome. He is so bad that he wanted to share himself with everybody. He said, let me create somebody that's going to get happy 
about me like I get happy about me. Somebody says, that's bragging. No, when you're that bad, you're just that bad. If you can back it up, back it up. And God can back it up. See, there's a problem when you're talking, when you're talking Jack, it can't back it up. But if you can back it up, then it ain't bragging. It's just the truth. God can back it up. It ain't bragging. It's just a statement of truth. Our God is just that bad. Our God is just that awesome. Our God is just that marvelous. Our God is God all by himself. All by himself. And guess what? The whole world ought to give him praise. Glory. Starting with the church. Starting with the church. Starting in the church. The relationship between a man and a woman is just a way of confirmation of what God is already saying. Adam's second experience wasn't Eve. His second experience was the garden. Because God wanted to place in man the need to work, the need to accomplish something. It is necessary. It is necessary for a man to work. Work does something for us that it doesn't do for you. We can have a good day at work and be happy all day. Come home, eat, go downstairs, watch TV. That said hi to you, that's enough. Why? Because work has done for us what your job won't do for you. God, why? Somebody said, well, why? why? God wanted us to subdue the earth, to do it. That means make it, use it, build from it, use your imagination. So it takes a singular-minded focus to build a spaceship to go to the moon. It takes a single-minded focus to envision roads through the hills of Kentucky and cut through rock, sheer rock, and build roads. It takes a single-minded focus to build skyscrapers, buildings, subways, you name it, airplanes. Somebody had a vision and they was focused enough to do it. And, and they got enjoyment. They had to have enjoyment at the end result. Or otherwise, they would not went through the persecution of doing it. I'm not saying that we, that is, that is just innate in man. I'm not saying that we should not expand on that. But I'm saying that is innate. So what happens is, had a good day at work, come home. Eat, go downstairs, watch the football game. Team don't won, my team don't won. Oh, it's a good day. It's an excellent day. Now it's time to go to bed. Guess what? The cake been baked. There's only one thing that could make it even better. 
That's icing on the cake. So we tap our wives. Uh-huh. You laying there with an attitude. Because while we was watching our favorite ball game, you said, honey, are you coming up soon? In a minute, that was two hours ago. The second thing Eve experienced, God showed her Adam relationship. Relationship. She looks into the eyes of her husband, of her boyfriend, and asks the question, am I of worth? Am I of value? The relationship gives her what work gives the man. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because we are from Mars and you are from <laughs> Venus, we don't understand. Yes, sir. Make it plain. Make we don't understand that you need the emotional covering. And most of our man thinking relationship is pictured like this. She comes along a side of us. She's an adult. She comes and together we work at this. But if this is the picture you have, this is the wrong picture. Back in Genesis chapter 1, that verse that began to say, and God, and God created man in his own image. He created him female, male, and female. Did you catch that? The phrasing is a difficult phrasing, and the reason why I think that phrasing is that difficult, because I think that when God first made Adam, he put male and female. Not physically, but emotionally. See, in God's concept, everything is about covering. He is the great coverer. But then he established lesser degrees of covering. Parents cover their children. They are covered by the teaching, by the raising, by the protection, by the provision, by the love of their parents. Everything is covered by the protection, by the love of God. But in a relationship between a husband and wife, the man covers the wife. So covering is not this. Covering is this. This is the picture where the man comes over and emotionally and spiritually and financially makes her feel safe. Hi. Is that your purse? Why you got a purse? You got all your stuff in there. Stuff that you need. Can I pick it up to see how much it weighs? That's heavy. Do you need that much stuff? 
How many other females got purse? I see another purse. I see another purse. How many females got purse in this house? Okay, watch this. How many men got a purse? Nowadays, you got to double check. Now, <laughs> you really got to double check. And that's, that's for real. Your need for security took the rib. He took who you are out of Adam. He was covered. Then he, while Adam was asleep, and notice what the verse said. It said, and he closed it up. He did not replace it, but he closed it up. Then he built architectural work. He put you, he formed you together. He, he, he put you together right. And then it says in, I think it's 22, 23, 24, he said, and now what he did in chapter 2, he said that he brought her to Adam. God is the first one that walked the first woman down the aisle. He gave her away. Then notice what happened. In the Hebrew, you don't see it, but in the English, you see it. Adam reflects it something like, wow. If you have a NIV, the next verses are indented, they are italicized, and what that means is this is Hebrew poetry. Adam broke out in song and poetry. You are bone of my bone. You are flesh of my flesh. You was taken out of man. You are one man. Come into my life. Sat in a counseling session for premarital counseling, and a young lady said this to me. I know I'm putting my life in his hands. I looked at her. I said, what? She said, I know I'm putting my life in his hands. As a man, that concept is foreign to me. I wasn't saying that when I got married. A matter of fact, I didn't know that really wives are saying that, young ladies are saying that when they get married because they really are putting their lives in our hands. This is a problem. Not only was I not saying that, not only is there no man in here that says that, we don't even know y'all mean that. Am I right, fellas? So what do you have? You have us coming from two different concepts. You are expecting from us that we don't even know we're supposed to give you. See, we've been playing it the world's way and not the biblical way. 
And then we expect y'all to, to respond to us because we need your response. We need to know when we make, we need you to let us know when we, when we make you happy. We, we, need, we need you to let us know when we're doing it right. We need to know. Our ego needs, like I said, you're a project. And if you don't respond to us, if you don't tell us, then we don't know that we are doing what we're supposed to. But, but, but I tell you what, respond and watch us. Put some honey, sweetheart, dear on it. Don't tell me to take out the trash. Ask me to take out the trash. And tell me you got something for me when I take it out. See how quickly... I'm not talking to my wife. My son takes out the trash. But for those of you that don't have a a son, men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. As much as we don't understand y'all, y'all don't understand us. All I'm doing is breaking down out of Genesis. It's about covering. It's about covering. It's about a puzzle that fits together. You do not start off with the pieces of puzzle. The way they make a puzzle, they start off with the whole thing. And then they cut it out. See, because if you start off with the pieces and try to make them fit, it would never fit. But if you start off with the whole thing, then cut it, it fits. God started off with the whole thing in Adam. Then he reached in Adam, took out Eve, so that when he brought her back to Adam, she fitted. I wonder today, are you fitting? Matter of fact, somebody said, well, what about me? I'm single. No, you're not. You got a lover. No, you're not. You got a keeper. No, you're not. You got somebody that will provide for you spiritually, emotionally, financially. No, you're not. You got somebody. Matter of fact, he's the best of somebody. Matter of fact, whether you're married or single, you better have him. His name is Jesus. He's the best thing that ever happened to any of us. Because when you got Jesus, you're covered. Yeah. It's almost time to go. I'm almost out of here. But I just came to say that there's a covering that all of us need. And if your husband ain't doing it, if your wife isn't responding. I know somebody that can give you joy in the midnight hour. I know somebody that can make up for what somebody's not doing. I know somebody that will make everything okay. Don't tell me you're half of a person because you're single. No, 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 no. You need to hook up with Jesus. You need to, won't he do it? Won't he make everything okay? He'll make you satisfied. Whether you're married or single, Jesus is the best thing. 
Oh, oh, it's a good thing to be covered by the Lord. Yes, it is. He'll come see about you. Yes, he will. He'll make a way out of no way. Yes, he will. He'll satisfy your soul. Don't tell me that Jesus can't handle your sexuality. Oh, yes, he can. He'll make it go asleep. Yes, he will. so fill you spiritually you forget about the physically he's a keeper he's a keeper he can keep you he can keep you up he can keep you down he'll keep you in it all yes he will are you covered are you covered are you covered? I'm not talking about your husband now. I'm not talking about your mama or your daddy now. I'm talking about are you covered by the Lord? Are you covered by Jesus? Because when you're covered by Jesus, he'll make up for everybody. If you didn't have a daddy, he'll be your daddy. If you didn't have a mama, he'll be your mama. He'll be whatever, 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 whatever you need. with him and it finishes with him in spite of our inadequacies in spite of of our of our downfalls if you give it to Jesus not some of it but all of it he'll keep you in a messed up marriage he'll keep you in a messed up childhood He'll keep you in the midst of it all. And the more dirt Satan throws at, at you, God will use the dirt to make you stronger. I know I'm right about it. Some of you been through hell and high water, but look at you now. They said you wouldn't make it, but you made it. You made it. You made it. You made it. They gave up on you, but you made it. You made it. You made it. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. Is there anybody in the house know he will do it for you? Anybody in the house know he will keep you through difficult situations? Is there anybody in the house that know that he's able? He's able. He's able. He's able. Our God, our Savior, our Redeemer, Jesus, he's able. He equalizes everything. 
I hear something and we're going on home. I hear something. I hear somebody say, you don't understand. I grew up with lack. I grew up not having a daddy. I grew up, my mama was bad. I grew up and, oh, preacher, you understand. Wait a minute. I'm standing in a room full of people and every one of us had a lack. Every one of us been through trouble. Every one of us been talked about. Every one of us went through some type of abuse. In spite of, in spite of, in spite of, in spite of the lack in your life, I know somebody, I know somebody that will make up, that will make up, that will make up for all of your lack. Grace upon grace upon grace. How did you make it? Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. How come you didn't lose your mind? Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Somebody in here. The only way you made it, it was the grace. It was the grace. It was the grace. It was the grace, grace. God is calling you. And his grace is sufficient. I don't understand, but I know his grace is sufficient. I don't understand sometimes, but his grace is sufficient. I don't have answers all the time, but his grace is sufficient. Don't always like what I'm going through, but his grace is sufficient. Don't always like the circumstance, but his grace is sufficient. Don't always know what to do, but his grace. I could go on, but it's time to go home. Is there anybody in the house know that his grace is good? Is there anybody in the house know that he kept you by his grace? Is there anybody in the house that the only way you made it, it was the grace, the grace, the grace. The same grace that brought others through will keep you when you can't keep yourself. The same grace that kept people in their right minds when they should have went crazy is the same grace that would keep you in your right mind. The grace that bonded out a broken heart 
when they didn't think that they could take anymore. But God's grace knitted their heart back together again. It's the same grace that will knit your heart together. You've been waiting on something to happen. Something already happened. It happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on Calvary for you and I. But he got up with all power in his hands, which means that his grace is available for you. His covering is available for you. The first relationship is a relationship with God. The most important relationship is a relationship with God.